the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We would like to thank our advertisers for this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. If you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to KirkElliottPhD.com and make an appointment today. Good afternoon. This is Brandon Gill. I'm Dinesh's son-in-law filling in for Dinesh today and tomorrow. He's busy with his blockbuster new movie coming out this week, Police State. It's been huge. It's sold out in theaters across the country. It's gotten a riveting response because it's so eye-opening. If you're a regular listener to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast, you've heard from me before. I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of an America First news outlet called DC Inquirer, which I highly encourage you to read. We have breaking news, the stuff that you definitely can't miss if you want to consider yourself up-to-date on politics. And our articles are often shared on social media by President Donald Trump. <clears throat> and if he reads DC Inquirer, then you should too. So make sure to check us out at dcinquirer.com. That's dcinquirer with an e.com to subscribe to our emails and get news updates. You can find me on Truth Social at Brandon Gill. I'm on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Real Brandon Gill. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. There I write down a lot of my thoughts on politics and current events. But most importantly, make sure you check out Dinesh's newest film, like we said, Police State. It exposes the left's plans to turn America, the America we know and love, into something utterly unrecognizable. The film has been a huge success, and if you haven't already, you absolutely need to see it. And you need to get your friends, family, acquaintances, and even your enemies to watch it, too. You can go to policestatefilm.net. You can get tickets to our virtual premiere, which is tomorrow, Friday. And you'll if you, if you do that, which I, I think you should, you'll get to hear exclusive Q&A live from Dinesh D'Souza and Dan Bongino. You'll hear an awesome performance from the MAGA rapper Forgaccio Blow. And it'll really be an amazing night. I'll be there in Vegas. Dinesh will be there. My wife, Danielle, and the baby Marigold will be in Las Vegas. You should definitely stream in. It's all live, and you need to get tickets ahead of time. Again, it's policestatefilm.net. Today, we're going to be discussing what's happening on our college campuses, how Jewish students are being discriminated against. And we'll talk about the police state as it relates to January 6th. We have one of the most prolific January 6th lawyers joining us later today. He has represented and is representing more January 6th cases than anybody else out there. So it'll be a really interesting interview. Make sure you join and let's get started. During 
times of economic uncertainty and political upheaval, it's crucial to have a reliable source of financial guidance and insight. That's where Dr. Kirk Elliott, Ph.D., and his esteemed wealth management advisory firm come into play. Dr. Kirk Elliott has distinguished himself with two Ph.D.s in economics and and theology and has built a reputation in expert financial solutions tailored to your unique needs. His firm specializes in wealth management, offering a comprehensive array of services to protect and grow your assets in an ever-changing world. In an environment filled with economic volatility and shifting political landscapes, finding a trusted partner during these challenges is essential. Dr. Elliott's firm employs cutting-edge strategies and an understanding of the markets to guide you towards financial success. Go to KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh and book an appointment, and they'll explain their process about investing. That's KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh, Elliott with two L's and two T's. Again, that's KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh, or call or text 720-605-3900. Again, that's 720 720- Six zero five three nine zero zero. Welcome back to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. I'm Brandon Gill, filling in for Dinesh today and tomorrow while he's out on his massive media tour promoting the blockbuster film Police State. It's been selling out theaters across the country. People are loving it. The reviews have been fantastic. So I highly encourage you guys to check it out. On Friday, there's the virtual premiere. You can stream it live Friday night. And afterwards, there is a live Q&A with Dinesh and Dan Bongino, where they'll answer all of your questions about the film and give you a bit more of an insight into making the film and a bit more in depth uh, of some of the topics discussed in the film that you just can't get in a hour and a half, two hour documentary. Again, the the reviews have been fantastic. Uh, people are loving it. We're hearing reports all over the country that theaters are ending the movie by standing up, giving standing ovations, or oftentimes singing the national anthem alongside the movie in unison. Really powerful stuff. Uh, so definitely get tickets to the virtual premiere if you haven't yet. And if you can't do that, you can stream it on Rumble starting Saturday. So do that. <clears throat> I want to jump into something that's uh, come up recently pretty aggressively ever since the the terrorist attack in Israel a few weeks ago where Hamas terrorists uh, paraglided into a concert in Israel. It was actually a concert for peace and slaughtered hundreds of innocent Israelis, including women and children and babies, oftentimes in utterly gruesome ways. We've seen a, shockingly, what you would expect to see in the U.S. is you would expect to see uh, large movements against Hamas, against radical Islam, um, and you would expect to see a much more um, strong sense that Israel should be defending themselves. Instead, particularly on college campuses, we've seen the exact opposite. Pro-Palestinian and oftentimes just openly pro-Hamas terrorist activists in America have been rallying. There was a a rally the other day in Ilhan Omar's district where a man was driving his motorcycle down down the road holding a Hamas flag. Again, Hamas 
is recognized as a terrorist group by countries all over the world, including the United States. And we have people promoting them domestically. But one of the places where this is the worst is on college campuses. We've got Jewish students all over the country who feel, for good reason, unsafe in their own classrooms. And that's because we have people cheering for the destruction of Israel. People cheering things like, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Well, that means from the river to the sea, Israel doesn't exist anymore. We have people saying that uh, Zionism is a scourge. It's lumped in with colonialism um, and needs to be eliminated. And we're seeing this from college administrators as well, as much as we are from students. But first, I think it's a good time to take a step back and realize that a lot of this kind of anti, uh, anti-Jewish bigotry isn't, uh, isn't new. It's not unique. It's been happening on college campuses for a long time. It's just they've sort of waited until there was this massive massacre of innocent Israeli Jews to really come out of the woodworks and be more aggressive about it. <clears throat> but there's also, for the past 20 years, has been a pervasive anti-Christian and anti-white bigotry on college campuses as well. And I want to read you just a few examples from the past year just so we can get a sense for how deeply ingrained not only anti-Jewish bigotry, but anti-white and anti-Christian bigotry is on college campuses. And some of these are just mind-blowingly crazy. Here's a, <clears throat> these are headlines from Campus Reform. Syracuse U bans a church from school property for upholding Christian sexual beliefs. Syracuse University has barred a church from holding its services on university-owned property campus citing alleged violations of the university's standards of inclusion. Quote, we have notified the Radiant Church that they are not allowed to host their services on Syracuse University property, Syracuse said in a statement to campus reform. Again, if if you don't toe the liberal orthodox line, they don't tolerate you on campus, at least at Syracuse. Here's another headline. Because it's not just secular colleges, it's Catholic university students petition to ban Christian group from campus. So this is coming from the students at a Catholic university. This is DePaul University in Chicago who are petitioning to ban a group from meeting on campus for its traditionally Christian views on human sexuality. They called the the Christian group homophobic and got over 700 signatures. This is at Michigan State. Michigan State warns against using bigoted phrases like Christmas tree, terrorist, or overweight. All of those are relevant right now. MSU released an inclusive language guide cautioning against use of certain common words and phrases pointing to potential offensive connotations or origins. Quote, in winter and spring, avoid references to majority religious imagery and language such as the word Mary, or Christmas tree, wreaths, holly, bells, gifts, reindeer, bunnies, eggs, and chicks. Use terms like wishing you a wonderful winter slash spring break or best wishes for the new year, reads the guide. And that's in Michigan State. Here's another one. Offended and shocked, student reacts to Christian privilege display at his university. 
campus reform correspondent Jacob Stewart recently appeared on Fox and Friends to discuss an understanding Christian privilege display at a school, Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Obviously, the whole point of Christian privilege is to make sure that you know if you're a Christian, you have some kind of advantage that other people don't, and we need to socially recognize that and ultimately isolate you and make sure that you are separated from everybody else. Here are some of the more egregious and disturbing ones. Uh, This was about a year ago. It was in December of 2022 at Harvard. There's a musical at Harvard that portrays Judas from the Bible as a gay individual who falls in love with Jesus. The musical, quote, reimagines Judas Iscariot as a queer Asian American high school senior who falls in love with Jesus, betrays him, and learns to take control of his own narrative. Producer of the play, Sophie Kim, described the musical to the Harvard Crimson as a, quote, heretical Gazian love story, whatever Gazian means. And even at my own alma mater, Dartmouth recently hosted a drag show with a topless nun in it. I mean, I could give you about 50 more examples of this, but you, you get the point. You hear about this stuff every day. But the point is to say that it's not just Jewish bigotry that we're seeing on college campus. We've seen anti-Christian bigotry for a long time. Ask any college student who's been in college in the past 15 or 20 years what it's like to say that you're a Christian on your campus. How do other students respond? How does the administration respond? And it's almost universally negative. Um, You're seen as backwards, as bigoted, as stupid. Um, You're not seen as cool. You lose social standing. You lose academic standing oftentimes amongst your professors. And it's not talked about very often for whatever reason. I guess there's We've kind of bought into this idea that America is a a Christian majority nation and that Christians have all the power here. But on college campuses, that's certainly not the case. And we've known for a long time that college campuses also are flagrantly anti-white. The entire DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion regime, is based on non-white racial superiority. The idea is that diversity now means everything but white. It means every race, but being white, which means that it's anti-white. And that's what privilege means on college campuses, is anything uh, is promoting anything now that's not white. That's why college campuses oftentimes have ethnic studies departments for every single ethnicity or race other than white. Um, So we're seeing this kind of, this anti-Semitism is a good reminder that bigotry of all kinds of forms is pervasive on college campuses. <clears throat> but I do think that the anti-Semitism is kind of a, a uniquely uh, uniquely malevolent force. And part of that is because they're so open to violence against Jews on campus. I'm going to read you a couple, a study that just came out from Harvard Harris. The study was asking, do you think the Hamas killing of 1,200 Israeli civilians on Israel can be justified by the grievances of Palestinians, or is it not justified? Overall, 76% of respondents said it was not justified, but 24% said it can be justified by the grievance of Palestinians. Again, this is the attack 
of innocent women and children, oftentimes burning people alive, beheading people, raping women, incredibly disturbing things. And 24% of American respondents think that that can be justified. But what's most disturbing is if you break it out by age, the age cohort that's 18 to 24, which is college students and recent college grads, amongst that group, 51% think that the massacre against Israeli Jews can be justified by Palestinians. What's even more disturbing is that when asked, that same cohort was asked, do you think Hamas fighters are more appropriately called militants or terrorists? The majority also said terrorists, which means that there's a, a portion of Americans aged 18 to 24 who both think that these Hamas fighters are terrorists and that they're justified. In other words, political violence is justified if your grievances are acute enough. It's incredibly disturbing, and that's why we're seeing all kinds of anti-Semitic uh, behavior on college campuses. Jews told that uh, Israel needs to be eliminated. You have people going through their signs on college campuses, putting pictures of Israeli children that have been slaughtered. And Palestinian students are just pro-Palestinian students going by and tearing them down um, and telling Jews that they're not welcome on their campuses anymore. And it's terrifying, but I think if we take a step back, we also realize maybe it's maybe it's actually not that surprising that in a world where BLM can root, loot, and riot and murder people and cause all kinds of social mayhem and still have a large portion of America who supports them, maybe it actually shouldn't be surprising that political violence is becoming normalized. It's not just against Jews. Political violence in general is becoming normalized. There was a case, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, where a um, an American voter was talking to Vivek Ramaswamy, and he asked Vivek a question, and Vivek answered. And then the guy got in his car and rammed it into Vivek's. And the guy, my understanding, has pretty much got a slap on the wrist and was let go. This kind of stuff uh, can't last because it destroys civilization. Um, and one, one last point I'll make here is that maybe it shouldn't be very surprising that we see that the same people who, have, who are on the left, who support BLM, and who have had a uh, kind of anti-American, anti-colonial attitude towards America are also rabidly anti-Semitic. And a lot of the reason for that is because, that because they see Israel in the same light they see America as. Israel's a colonizer in their minds before 1948, before Isra the Israeli state was created. The Palestinians were living in peace they were one with nature, blah, blah, blah. And then Israel came and all of a sudden ethnic tensions arose. That's obviously nonsense, but that's kind of the decolonial um, view of history in the Middle East. But that's the same view they have of America, which is that the American Indians, the Native Americans were living in harmony, uh, peacefully existing on the continent until the white colonialist settlers came and introduced all kinds of diseases and violence. So it shouldn't surprise us at all that the the support or the opposition, I should say, to Israel overlaps heavily with Black Lives Matter and the American left. All we can say 
now is that this has to stop. We have to get anti-Semitism off of our college campuses, but we also need to get anti-Christian bigotry, anti-white bigotry off college campuses, and there has to be an end to political violence in America. Mike Lindell just keeps on introducing great deals. He's featuring the all-new My Towels. Save 50% on the six-piece towel set. Regular price is $59.96, but now for a limited time, it's only $29.98 with promo code Dinesh. Dinesh and Debbie have Mike's My Towels all over their house, and they love them for themselves. But we also love to get them as Christmas presents. My Towels six-piece set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. These towels, I have to say, are amazing. The long staple length of Sherper cotton fibers makes them very soft because of the long fibers. They can wrap around each other more easily, creating a smoother and softer fabric. Soft to the touch without the lotion feel and super absorbent. So make sure to take advantage of the 50% off on the six-piece towel set. Call 1-800-876-0227 or go to MyPillow.com. Again, that's 1-800-876-0227 or go to MyPillow.com and don't forget to use promo code Dinesh. That's D-I-N-E-S-H, Dinesh. Dinesh and Debbie are on a great health journey, but they still struggle to eat, eat enough fruits, vegetables, and fiber. Lucky for them, they discovered balance of nature. And what better way to get all your fruits and vegetables plus fiber than with balance of nature? Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are made from fresh, whole produce. Their produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum-cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. And their Balance of Nature fiber and spice is a proprietary blend of fiber and 12 spices for overall and digestive health. So like Dinesh and Debbie have, start your journey to better health right now. Call 1-800-246-8751. Or go to balanceofnature.com to get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Again, that's balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-246-8751 and get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Welcome back to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. I'm Brandon Gill. Filling in for Dinesh today while he's on his whirlwind media tour promoting Police State. Again, it's it has been in theaters. The virtual premiere is tomorrow, which you can watch. Get tickets at policestatefilm.net if you haven't watched it yet. And get your friends and family to buy tickets as well and to make sure this is a movie we need to get as many people to see as we possibly can. So So tell everybody you know about it. Speaking of police states, we've um, we've talked a lot about January 6th, really, for the past three years, and we have a new guest with us today. His name is John Pierce. John is a lawyer, and he actually represents and has represented more January 6th defendants than any lawyer in the entire country. John is a trial lawyer. He's the founding and managing partner of John Pierce Law. He was described by Benchmark Plaintiff Litigation 2012 as one of the most esteemed jury trial trial lawyers at the world's largest business litigation law firm. And the Legal 500 United States 2015 praised his, quote, real trial presence. 
He's the chairman of the NCLU, which is the National Constitutional Law Union. He's a Harvard Law graduate and a veteran. And again, like I said, he has represented more January 6th defendants than anybody else. So he knows this inside now. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you so much, Brandon, for having me on the show. I'm a huge fan of uh, Dinesh and the show, and I'll be going to see uh, that movie tonight. So looking forward to it. Perfect. Yeah, I appreciate it. John, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you how you made your way to these January 6th cases. Give us a little bit of information about some of your legal background and how you got here, just so we can kind of know, uh, you know, it, a lot of we've been following these cases for so long and to hear that you've you represent so many of them and love to, to hear a little bit about more uh, how you got here and what you do. Uh, sure. Just uh, briefly, I guess the best way to put it is I'm uh, a recovering uh, big firm uh, lawyer. Um, after um, after uh, Notre Dame, uh, where I went to college and the Army for a few years, um, uh, somehow somebody must have made a mistake up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and let me into um, Harvard Law School and uh, did the big firm thing for about uh, 15 plus years. And, um, you know, really, really kind of got um, you know, really kind of got tired of that kind of working for the big corporations, et cetera. So I started, I decided to start my own firm in um, right, right in the beginning of 2017. And I really didn't set out to do any of this kind of work. I mean, I've always been a, uh, you know, very, very patriotic sort of, you know, MAGA conservative um, type throughout my whole life. Um, but I was really just starting my own law firm to, um, you know, do the kind of work that I wanted to do. Um, it just happened to be the case that really unbeknownst to me, at that time, things were happening behind the scenes um, with respect to, uh, you know, the the Russia hoax and with respect to the efforts to prevent uh, President Trump from winning and, and then, um, you know, taking office and being successful. Those things were kind of percolating right at the same time that I started mm-hmm. my own firm. And so and so really, you know, in um, then 2018, um, as these things started to really come to the foreground in terms of the litigation aspects of them, um, uh, I and my firm, uh, we were retained by George Papadopoulos. And so um, I'm the lawyer that helped George Papadopoulos get pardoned by President Trump. That led to me representing Carter Page and all the FISA abuse litigation. Um, that led to uh, me representing Mayor Giuliani uh, in the Ukraine probe that was ultimately dropped. Uh, represented Tulsi Gabbard against Hillary Clinton, uh, represented Kyle Rittenhouse in the Kenosha shootings. And really, as soon as my uh, rule in that wrapped up, January 6th happened. And, you know, I, I guess I had some um, some prominence out there um, that folks knew that I was a lawyer that would, uh, you know, stand up for these kind of cases. So folks started hiring, um, you know, myself and my firm very quickly. And, um, you know, within a matter of a few several months, we had uh, a couple dozen cases. And um, at this point, uh, I think we have about 38 active cases right now. Wow, it's it's wild. And b- before we get into the, the January 6th cases, I'm curious. I uh, I went to Dartmouth and I worked in finance for several years. So I'm familiar with uh, maybe some of the crowd you used to be around, whether it was in the Ivy League or in big law. I used to talk to a lot of those guys. I can't imagine you have a whole lot of friends there anymore after um, leaving the business side of legal practice and getting involved in things like whether it's Rittenhouse or Papadopoulos or definitely January 6th. I mean, I can't imagine more unpopular things to get involved in. So what's what's that been like? 
I yeah, I mean, um, you know, I haven't talked to anybody in one of those big law firms in a, in a few years. I guess it's no surprise. Um, and you know, I, it's probably one of the reasons I really didn't fit in there um, in the long term was that I, I just care about these these. Uh, you know, I care about the country. I care about civil liberties. Um, I care about civil rights in the Constitution. And um, you know, unfortunately, uh, and it's really shocking to me. And it's really shameful. Um, you know. There are none of those big law firms that are helping any of the January 6th defendants from a pro bono standpoint. I mean, you, you, you probably know this as well as I do. The AMLOTs, let's take the AMLOT 200, the, the 200 largest law firms by revenue in the country. Uh, they have tens of thousands of lawyers. They build millions of hours a year and they are, you know, very uh, quick to talk about their pro bono programs and their willingness to help the downtrodden and the most vulnerable and those who don't have a voice. And they're mm -hmm. happy to represent terrorists at Gitmo um, and those kind of things. But I'm not aware of a single pro bono hour. I could be wrong and I'd be I'd be happy to be uh, corrected, but I'm not aware of a single pro bono hour that one of those law firms has spent helping January 6th defendants. And I, I think that is a shameful, um, uh, disgraceful, honestly, um, episode in the American bar that we're going through right now in light of that. It is. It's <clears throat> it's amazing how, and, and I think it's hard to comprehend sometimes how stacked this is against these guys. Like you said, you've, you work with or you have worked with 38 of them. If you just take a step back, sort of zoom out, 30,000 foot view. Um, from our from our standpoint, we hear about individual stories all the time. This guy's been in prison for two years waiting for trial. This guy just got a 10-year sentence. This other guy, is he's been in prison and he's got another sentence coming on. They're adding all kinds of, of things to his charges. I mean, we hear about this stuff all the time, but if you zoom out, what are some of the general trends and issues you've seen with the January 6th cases? Sure. So um, I think first and foremost, is what you're seeing from the Department of Justice, uh, which I'm sure is driven by direction from the White House, is an absolute scorched earth uh, campaign um, to, in my view, uh, you know, terrorize regular American citizens um, and attempt to intimidate um, not only these defendants, but intimidate uh, future Americans from speaking their voice on some of the most important core political issues that would be uh, protected by uh, the First Amendment. Um, I think, you know, secondly, uh, folks need to understand how incredibly difficult it is to have any kind of success in the in the D.C. Uh, in the D.C. courts uh, with these juries. Um, you know, as folks probably know, these are 97 percent or something like that. Uh, you know, Biden voters. Um, it's actually getting to the point now where during jury selection, um, these jurors are getting recycled through. So during jury selection, when you get the first, let's say, 50 um, potential jurors and you start to go through the voir dire, what's called the voir dire process, you learn very quickly that probably about a quarter of them just got done serving on a jury for a January 6th case, you know, weeks or months before. And so, you know, you're going through the same, you know, sort of jury pool that is uh, – Kind of issuing conviction after conviction, and so um, you know that that's incredibly uh, challenging. I, I think you know the other thing um, that I'd like to um, make sure people know, and this is really outrageous, and I'm not sure people realize this. Um, you have a lot of really um, sort of selective and vindictive prosecutorial tactics that are going on right now, and, and the following example I think shows this very clearly. With respect to most of the defendants. 
the people who really didn't do anything that bad in terms of, um, you know, no violence, no property destruction, essentially they get charged with glorified trespassing. They, they typically get charged with a standard set of four misdemeanors. Um, and then the DOJ really pushes these people hard to plead guilty because they want to stack up the number of convictions they have. But what's happening now is the DOJ is really punishing people who do not plead guilty um, in the following way. Uh, these folks who want to go to trial and exercise their constitutional right to go to trial, they will have these four misdemeanors pending over them for, let's say, a couple of years. And then they're heading toward trial. And then a few weeks or a month before trial, the prosecutors will come to us and say, hey, guess what? Um, in preparation for trial, our view of the evidence has changed. And so congratulations, here's a superseding indictment with a 20-year felony charge of uh, obstruction of official proceedings under 18 United States Code, you know, Section 1512. And so what's happening is they're being punished for not pleading guilty. And so, mm -hmm. you know, now all of a sudden you have folks who would really be facing a maximum of one year in prison if they go to trial, facing potentially 20 years in federal prison if they go to trial. And so that's just an example of the kind of tactics that you're seeing uh, from the government in these cases. Right. <clears throat> and there's there's a case uh, just like this or very similar to this in the movie in Police State um, where an, a terrorism enhancement was added to one of the charges of a January 6th defendant, which ended up being too much for him to handle, knowing that he's got the full might of the federal government coming down on him. Help us understand this. Um, you know, the, the whole point of having a jury of your peers is in, in the justice system is so that you can be judged by people who are part of your community, who understand you and your unique local circumstances. It, that goes that's been in the, the Western legal tradition for quite a while. Um, it's part of our Constitution. This this seems so out of line with that. I mean, you have people who are from Texas or Alabama being tried in D.C. courts. And, and the reality is that the, the people sitting on these trials are so different uh, than what than what the defendants would be used to. So help us understand how is how is this just and in any sense, even before we get to some of these enhancements, this doesn't seem right at all. So in my view, you're absolutely correct about that. And if you really think about it, essentially what you have are the, you know, purported or alleged sort of, you know, victims of the alleged offenses who are sitting on the jury, really. I mean, mm -hmm. because, you know, almost all these potential jurors, to some extent, way, shape or form or another, uh, you know, they were in D.C. on January 6th. They knew people who were at the Capitol. You know, they they, um, you know, had very, very strong feelings about it. So so we have made motions to change venue in every single one of our cases. Um, lots of other lawyers have filed, you know, lots of other motions to uh, change venue. Um, all of those motions um, have been denied. Uh, it is the district court judge in the first instance who gets to make uh, that decision at the trial court level. Um, now, it's important to make these motions because um, ultimately uh, those issues are going to be uh, heard on appeal at the D.C. Circuit uh, and mm. potentially the Supreme Court. Uh, but it doesn't you know, it doesn't help the defendants at, at the trial court level um, or at sentencing. So, um, you know, I, I obviously think that uh, these cases should not be tried in D.C. They should be tried, I believe, throughout the country, um, you know, where these folks are, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, where where they've been uh, arrested. Uh, but that's that's not going to happen um, in these cases. 
Right. And for, for those of us who aren't lawyers, um, help us understand what are, what are some of the, the things that these people are up against? Why, why do we have guys sitting in solitary confinement? Why are there, are some of these cases taking two years to get in front of a judge? I mean, what's going on? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there, there are, there are various issues, um, you know, that these folks are dealing with that you could touch on, on a couple of them. Um, you know, let's take, for example, uh, folks who are, uh, detained, uh, pretrial, um, you know, uh, we've had several defendants that have been detained pre-trial. We've um, essentially been successful in getting, you know, virtually all of those folks uh, released at some point before trial. But it is a very, very uh, difficult, uh, you know, road to, to do that. Um, you know, un- under the way that the uh, uh, federal statutory law works under the Bail Reform Act, if a district court judge finds that uh, a defendant is uh, one of two things, either a, a risk to the community or a flight risk, um, then under under the way that the law works, the judge can make the decision that they should be detained before trial. Um, you know, I, I believe that a lot of these decisions are incorrect. Um, I, have a, I have a lot of respect for these judges. I, I practice before them every day and, and whatnot, but I, I do disagree with a lot of these decisions. Um, and understand, it, it's not as if they uh, have had a massive amount of bail put on them Right. It's that they have no possibility of bail whatsoever. Mm. And so, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, essentially a violation of the Eighth Amendment. Um, And, you know, look, you had relatives that had a billion dollar house. You still could not get bailed out. I mean, they 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 are, you know, they're stuck there um, until trial now. And it makes it very, very, very difficult to prepare for trial whenever a defendant is detained in those kind of facilities, just in terms of communication and, and spending mm. and spending time with them. Um, the um, what was the other uh, example that you mentioned? Um, I forget in your question, you uh, mentioned another example, but I forget now. Well, well, I was I was going to ask you, what what can we do to push back against um, a lot of this is driven by aggressive, politically ambitious prosecutors who are deciding last minute that they want to enhance charges or they want to they they basically want to scare you into pleading guilty is there anything right now that can be done whether it's on the legal defense side or or people listening who can stop this it seems like so much of this is at the discretion of the prosecutors yeah so here's here's um i, I mean first first of all i you know what i would ask folks to, folks to do which they can make a huge difference of right away um is to go to uh, the nclu website nclu.org and uh sign up become a member um that will make a huge direct impact on helping these defendants um uh with respect to the um the uh the prosecutors and the prosecution uh here's what can be done and it's very frustrating that it has not been done yet which is you know we control the House of Representatives, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was I was glad to see I was glad to see today Mike Johnson got elected speaker. Um, I have not been a fan of uh, lots of um, of uh, sort of GOP establishment types who have been in charge in the House and a, a couple mm-hmm. of these prior candidates. Um, I, I like very much what I see from Mike Johnson so far. So you know, very optimistic about that. But you know, the the House, as I'm sure you know, has the power of the purse. It has the plenary power of the purse. Not a dime can be spent from uh, the federal government, from our tax dollars, unless that originates in the House of Representatives. What has to be done is the House has to shut down these prosecutions. They need to defund um, uh, the FBI. They need to defund the DOJ with respect to these prosecutions and shut them down. They have the absolute power to do that. 
Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of these folks, um, you know, on our side of the aisle um, are career politicians and, you know, they're they're not willing to kind of they don't have the will to do that. But I think that's the most important thing to do right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And as, as you mentioned, a lot of these are, are really scorched earth legal tactics that they're using. And I think that there's a lot of appetite amongst people who aren't lawyers who are just watching this happening. A lot of the listeners right now. For fi- to fight fire with fire, to say, look, you're doing this to us. You're weaponizing the justice system against us. We're ready to turn it on back onto you. What? How do we fight back against a, a flagrantly weaponized legal system? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, there there are a couple things. Um, you know, aside from from the defunding that I just mentioned, I mean, you know, there there are a couple things that can be done. I mean, um, I, I think first and foremost, you know, and, and you know, and again, as as a lawyer, you you really hate to see this kind of weaponization of the mm-hmm. legal system. But at a certain point, um, you know, if 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 the entire uh, left is going to do this to you know to our side in terms of our elected representatives, our lawyers, our just regular citizens, to a certain extent, you do have to fight fire with fire. And you know, certainly there are lots of. And I would never advocate. Um, you know, any lawyer on either side taking any step that is unethical or or not meritorious. But certainly there are lots of um, targets, so to speak, in terms of, um, you know, Democrats, people on the left who over the last several years, uh, in my view, have have uh, clearly broken the law, including, honestly, um, as President Trump has started to mention, um, up to the point of uh, actual treason. Um, and so, you know, I think we need to have, um, uh, you know, in the first instance, we need to have uh, local prosecutors start going after folks for you know the crimes that they could say with, are within their jurisdiction, um, and then we got to get uh, we got to get Trump back in office. And I think that um, I think President Trump is going to hold um, you know these folks accountable in a way that uh, has not been done previously. So I think that's very important. Um, and then also um, you know and I, I know this firsthand, unfortunately, um, but you know also folks need to realize that any. Uh, any person can file a bar complaint against any lawyer in any jurisdiction at any time. Um, and again, uh, far be it for me to um, you know advocate that that be done if it's if there's not a real basis for it. Um, but you know that's something that regular American citizens, if they see uh, something that they think is um, in violation of the ethics rules, they can uh, they can file those kind of complaints. That's interesting. <clears throat> in, tell us, uh, like we said, you work with so many of these cases. Is there any one case that you've worked on that you find particularly unique or interesting that you could tell us about? I know a lot of these are active cases, so you're kind of on on a touchy ground, but what can you tell us about, uh, you know, a, a particularly interesting case that you've you've been involved with? Yeah, boy, there's uh, there's there's so many of them. I mean, um, you know, one that comes to mind, which was a terrific result that 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 we got um, for a client, uh, was for a uh, a Navy veteran and a pastor named Kenneth Joseph Thomas. Um, we took his case to trial in um, late May, I believe. The verdict came down late May, early June. Uh, he was facing 12 uh, charges, including a variety of uh, felonies and misdemeanors, um, including the 1512 obstruction of official proceedings charge, uh, assault. Ch- assault charges um, and other charges. And um, 
and we 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 won five out of those 12 counts. Um, we got a not guilty verdict on the 1512 obstruction of official proceedings charge on um, uh, you know on violent entry on, on various things, and that that was if not the it was certainly um, among the the best you know results of um, uh, have occurred so far in any January 6 case. Um, and and I think you know with um, you know one of the things that were particularly interesting in his case, for example, was the uh, government was trying to put in evidence that he had torn uh, that white tarp that was surrounding the scaffolding um, mm-hmm. that you see, right, with respect to they were setting up for the inauguration. And uh, upon cross-examination, uh, I was actually by my law firm partner, Roger Roots, who did a great job. Um, it became clear that it was actually the police officer who was actually on the stand at the time um, who actually took a knife um, and cut uh, that tarp. Um, you know, across the entire distance of probably 20, 25 feet. Um, and so, you know, what, what's so important in these cases is even if you don't get a full acquittal, um, but, you know, you, you, you fight really, really hard. I think the reason that the narrative is changing in the country right now and people understand what it actually happened on January 6th is that by fighting and putting in all this kind of evidence, um, you know, the American people are able to start seeing you know, what actually happened on January 6th, which is, which is so important. Right. What, what can people who are listening or watching do to, to help you? Yeah. And, and thank you so much for asking that. And we desperately need help. Um, you know, we represent again, dozens of these folks. Um, uh, you know, I, I have been working so hard in the actual cases that, um, you know, I probably haven't spent enough time, uh, getting out there and, uh, you know, trying to work to raise funds for these, these folks. Uh, although, you know, we've raised certainly, uh, you know, several hundred thousand dollars at this point, but we need a lot more. Um, so the most important things folks can do is go to www.nclu.org. That's the National Constitutional Law Union. Um, and just sign up as a member, uh, as a monthly member. And um, that that will go a huge way uh, towards helping us to, you know, just, just pay the costs of having folks in D.C., um, and, uh, you know, having the, the clients travel there and the witnesses, um, you know, I mean, and that's just to begin with before you even start looking at paying the lawyers. And so we, we, we need a lot of help. So that's the most important thing that folks can do. Got it. Well, John, you guys are doing incredible work. So good luck and thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Brandon. Really appreciate it. Look forward to coming back sometime. Nash and Debbie started taking Relief Factor two years ago, and the difference they've seen in their joints the past two years has been nothing short of amazing. Aches and pains are gone thanks to this 100% drug-free solution called Relief Factor. Relief Factor supports your body's fight against inflammation that's the source of aches and pains. More than 1 million people have tried Relief Factor, and about 70% have gone on to order more. Debbie's been able to do all of the exercises that for several years she wasn't able to do. It's been a game changer for her, her aunt, other members of our family, and for many other people. You too can benefit. Try it for for yourself by ordering the three-week quick start guide for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. Last month, the G20 announced that it welcomed discussion of the effects of implementing central bank digital currencies in their countries. 
These digital currencies could allow the government to track every purchase you make. They could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. In essence, they could enable the government to take more control over your finances. Concerned Americans are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, you should call Birch Gold too. Dinesh and Debbie are customers. They build their gold. They buy their gold, excuse me, through Birch Gold. To find out for yourself, text Dinesh to 989-898, and they'll send you a free info kit on gold. This is the easiest way to become a Birch Gold customer. If you have an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer just gathering dust, Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text Dinesh to 989-898. Claim your free info kit on gold, then call them, because if digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to fall back on. That wraps up things for today. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to check out my website, dcinquire.com. That's dcinquirewithane.com. My team and I release breaking news content and commentary on everything in U.S. politics. I think you'll really enjoy it. And make sure to follow me on social media. I'm at Real Brandon Gill on Twitter and Instagram. I'm simply at Brandon Gill on Truth Social, and I'm on Facebook as well. But most importantly, if you haven't already, watch Police State. Get tickets to the virtual premiere, which is tomorrow. You'll get to hear exclusive Q&A live from Dinesh D'Souza and Dan Bongino. You'll hear an awesome performance from the MAGA rapper Fergasio Blow, and it'll be an overall amazing night. It's all live and you need tickets ahead of time. Tickets are available only at policestatefilm.net. That's policestatefilm.net. Spread the word. Tell your friends and family to watch it too. We need as many people as we can to wake up and see what's going on in our country. And this film does that. So make sure you check it out. Thank you and God bless. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.